Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Yes, it is the host of the Pick 6 Podcast. I am Jacob Westendorf. I am live in the Game on Wisconsin studios, and you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. Thank you, everybody, and welcome to the show, the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy to always have you here. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, our friends at Our Tech Ventures. More from them in a minute. Discover Green Bay, Iowa Legendary Rye, and, of course, Lakefront Brewery. Welcome to the show, everybody. The Packers coming off a loss against the Minnesota Vikings, my least favorite team in the entire world. So that certainly makes me feel wonderful heading into a Thanksgiving week, but a lot to be thankful for. The Packers are eight and three, still uh, very much in contention for the number one seed in the NFC. And they're going to be playing one of the teams on Sunday that could also be in contention for that same number one seed. So I wanted to get a little scope on those Los Angeles Rams. So I bought brought in from 24-7 Sports and Heavy network uh, and i might have just butchered that uh, lorenzo reina of those networks lorenzo welcome to the show tell us who you are and what the name of the heavy website is actually called yeah so i'll definitely uh, clear the air so it's actually just in more simpler terms jake it's heavy.com not heavy uh, networks or heavy.org whatever it is it's, it's strictly heavy.com but yeah so um you know, I followed up on what was going on with the Rams to start and uh, currently also diving into the 49ers. But, you know, there's plenty uh, plenty to talk about on the Rams side, which is obviously why I'm here. Yes, there is. There's the Rams are the Madden team is kind of what we talked about before. It's the team we all build when we turn on the PlayStation. It's funny, too, Jake, you bring that up because, like, you mentioned the, the whole Madden uh, demographic. It's almost as if the Rams went into, like, the uh, salary cap mode and turned that thing off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they have. And it's it's unfortunate the Packers uh, cannot do the same considering what they're looking at next year as far as roster attrition yeah. and everything of that sort. The Rams, I believe, don't have a first-round pick until 2024. Yeah, they, they, just... they pretty much said bleep the draft. I mean, they only got like three picks. And I, I did see that your guys was actually in the running for Odell Beckham Jr., yeah, I wasn't thrilled about that. I was happy when he went to the Rams. We'll talk about Odell Beckham mm-hmm. as we get through here. Listeners of the show know the answer to my uh, take on Odell Beckham, but we'll get to more on that in just a little mm-hmm. bit. But you are working as uh, somebody who covers the Rams. You cover the 49ers as well. So two teams that have seen a lot of the Packers in yeah. recent memory. I just wanted to get – obviously, I'm on the inside, if you will. I watch the Packers. I'm a fan of the team. My emotions run high and low based mm-hmm. on wins and losses. I try not to get too high on wins, too low on losses, but – it's natural. It happens. What is the look at this Packers team from an outside view as a team that you see with the Rams chasing them and the 49ers having already played them? You know, I'll be honest with you, um, Jacob. I mean, I feel like truth be told, the Rams are walking into this game kind of like, if I could best describe it, they're battered because of the fact that it's one thing to come in with two consecutive losses and then the bye week, but the way they were manhandled against Tennessee 
And that was a Titans team without Derrick Henry. Then the following week, they go against a 49ers team that was, I mean, several instances they were calling for Kyle Shanahan's firing. They they wanted Jimmy G to, to be traded away. They wanted the rookie Trey Lance. And 49ers look, nearly looked like the 2019 version, just poured 31, dropped the 31 burger on the Rams. And now it's like, you know, there's this uproar in L.A. that I'm noticing that the Rams have been exposed as this team that's more built outside but not built in the trenches. I think it was uh, Kyle Brand of the, um, the Good Morning Football. He basically called them out and said, well, they're Twitter, they're glitter, but there's no hitters. That's yep. how he would describe it. And it's like, in a sense, like, I can also kind of piggyback off of what Brand said about the Rams. It's like, they're looking more and more like they're trying to take on the Lakers and the Dodgers persona. I mean, I get it. It's L.A., Tinseltown, Glitz and Glamour, all that. You want to attract the stars. You want the Rams to be attractable. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you're only going to be successful this late in the year by dominating in the trenches. And all the more reason why I, I'm kind of iffy. I'm kind of iffy on the Rams going against your team, the Packers, even though, like, there, there may be some key injuries in the trenches. But, you know, I wouldn't rule out that this could be a much, much closer game than that playoff game that we saw. Yeah, and I know the playoff game that you mentioned last year is billed as, well, it was Aaron Rodgers against Jared Goff. Of course, the Packers mm-hmm. won. But honestly, Green Bay won that game because they ran for damn near 200 yards against that Rams defense. They The Rams got their ass kicked up front. And then you include on the other side of the ball, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark. Mm-hmm. Those three all had big days. Some of those guys, Gary and Clark, uh, Clark is going to play. Gary may play on mm-hmm. uh, Zadarius Smith is not going to play. So that might help the Rams cause, but I agree with that sentiment. And that's something where I know the Rams, they made all them splashy moves. Uh, they're the team that everyone on Twitter loves because they're a fantasy football manager's dream, right? They have Stafford, mm-hmm. they have Beckham, they have Cooper cup. Uh, they've invested in the tight end position. They've traded for running backs. So Michelle. Yeah. They traded for Von Miller. You know, they have Aaron Donald. They traded for Jalen Ramsey, which I'm not saying those moves haven't worked out because obviously Ramsey's probably the best player in the league at his position. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the world. And you've got Stafford who's having a really good year along with Cooper Cup, who's one of the best players in the position at, in the sport at his position. But I am interested to hear your take on, on Green Bay there because there's a lot of people that usually the soft label is one thrown towards the Packers and a pass first team pass rushing team typically mm-hmm. has those labels thrown at them, but you don't seem to feel that way coming into this Rams game. I, I, here's the reason why, because it's like, you know, I mean, I do, I am aware that the soft label has applied to the Packers. Well, that same label Jacob has applied to the Rams in these last two weeks. I mean, again, I know I'm kind of like reiterating this, but you know, Tennessee ran up and down the Rams, and that was without Derrick Henry. That was with an Adrian Peterson running back who's a year younger than me. I'm 37. He's 36. Then the following week, it's like the 49ers got back in the form, and they were literally riding the legs of a six-rounder, going against Vaughn Miller, who made his debut, Aaron Donald as well. I'll also add this, Jake. I When I really closely look at it, I think here's the real dilemma the Rams is in. They're missing Sebastian Joseph Day in the middle. I know he's not a household name on the Rams, but if you actually were to scrutinize that defensive line, the three-man front, it's really Bash, a.k.a. Joseph Day, who literally, like, he takes on – he's literally, like, the, the the lane opener. 
He's the one who frees up Aaron Donald. He's the one who takes on that 330 or 320 pound center or guard. Sometimes he's the one facing double teams and frees up AD and some of the other guys. They've struggled without Sebastian Joseph Day these last two weeks. And so I have a gut feeling that your team is definitely going to run straight in that direction. Like they got great gains. I mean, Gaines is talented, but he, to me, he's more of a, uh, an oversized pass rusher in mm-hmm. comparison to somebody who could take on guards and centers the way Sebastian Joseph Day has. Yeah, the Rams, they like to play them smaller boxes. They like to do a lot of what the Packers did in the late 2000s with Dom Capers and even with Mike Pettin and play mm-hmm. smaller guys. You know, Last year, what Green Bay had a lot of success with was they'd run with their two running backs and run Aaron Jones in motion and run A.J. Dillon right at those backers. And they ran downhill at the Rams, and they were able to succeed that yeah. way. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll add this, uh, Jacob. So there's another defensive player on the Rams who's going to be a real wild card in this matchup, and that's Troy Reader, one of their inside linebackers. Reader, Reader is actually very hot and cold when it comes to his tackles. Like, with the moment he misses his first tackle, it's like the bleeding doesn't stop. He ends up missing like three or four on average. So I have a gut feeling they're going to try to they're going to try to run funnel plays his direction and try to test them out that they very well could so the Packers from an outside view as a team guys not all is lost Green Bay's mm-hmm. a good team the Rams are a good team and it's going to be a good matchup on Sunday so let's look at topic number two of the night and that is the one that is probably the biggest mismatch and the biggest worry if you're a Packers fan I mentioned last year that Green Bay was able to run as well as they did. Well, they also had Elton Jenkins and Corey Lindsley playing in the middle. Elton Jenkins not going to play Sunday. Unfortunately, Tess confirmed earlier this week that he has a torn ACL and is going to be out for the rest of the season. So John Runyon is your left guard. He was going to be anyways. Lucas Patrick is your starting center, not Corey Lindsley. And Royce Newman, who's having a tough year as a rookie, who played better on Sunday, admittedly, but is having a tough year going against Aaron Donald. First, my question to you is, Aaron Donald is the best defensive player you've seen since... I probably would say, if you're thinking of defensive linemen, probably since Warren Sapp. I think Warren really revolutionized the defensive tackle position, but I would honestly, Jacob, put AD in that category with names like Lawrence Taylor, like Ray Lewis, all those generational players. And when you look at when you look at Aaron Donald, it's more so like the way he's built. He looks nothing like a defensive tackle at all. He looks more like a pro wrestler with how chiseled he is. He's got to be like the most chiseled 280-pounder in the world. Yeah, he's massive. And I was going to say Reggie White, J.J. Watt at his peak, yeah. like players like that. Like you mentioned, those generational type of prospects. Donald is as good as it gets. So what can Green Bay do, if anything, to slow him down? Or is this like when you're playing LeBron James that you can't stop him, you just hope to contain him? Yeah, it's one of those deals because it's like, I mean, one of the reasons why they traded for Vaughn Miller, they just felt that they felt Aaron Donald was still getting way too many double and triple teams. So I think what Raheem Morris is trying to implement, he wants design plays where Vaughn is literally like right right behind AD. They're, they're lined up in a similar shade. Now, if you're the Packers, I would, I mean, I know it kind of sounds like kind of a cliche, kind of predictable, but I would run plays away from AD for the time being and test out Gaines, test out Ashawn Robinson early on just to see if those guys want to play. But I have a gut feeling that, you know, Raheem, he's going to mix and match. He's going to try to find some mismatches on that defense, on that offensive line, excuse me. And he's going to test the uh, Runyon, I believe, is uh, the, the replacement for Jenkins. 
I believe that they're going to try to blitz that side. But, you know, it's like with AD, it's like you have to embrace the fact that you're not going to – he's not going to go through a game with zero tackles. He's going to get he's going to get his tackles. If you're the Packers, though, would you rather would you rather see him stop Aaron Jones or would you rather see him sack Aaron Rodgers multiple times? I'm thinking it's the former. I mean, if you're if you're able to Jones is going to get his contact, he's going to get his stops, but I would be more concerned about the protection for Aaron Rodgers and if Rodgers' jersey is is tied clean, then advantage Green Bay. And it was clean last year. Now Green Bay obviously going to be without uh, – and Jenkins isn't playing. He's going to be – he was their left tackle. So Yosh Neiman is going to be their left tackle on Sunday. He played some games early in the year. I think the one thing that I keep trying to take some solace in going into this game is the Packers have had basically this front. If you sub Josh Myers in for Lucas Patrick, they had this exact front go against the 49ers with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, D. Ford, and, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers with T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, among right. others. And they blocked those guys up okay. Uh, and they have the quick passing game and everything like that as well. And that's something that I think is going to be interesting is does Los Angeles try and squeeze the field down and force the Packers to take some of those longer developing plays down the field, which they were able to hit a couple yeah, times you know on what? Sunday. And you're going back to that 49ers game. I mean, we obviously we talked about how efficient that running game was against the Rams. Well, here was what was also efficient, the short, timely throws. I mean, it was perfect for a quarterback like Jimmy G to get that going. You mean you didn't see very many like deep shots down the field, like those, all those aggressive, like you only live once type pros. I mean, I think with like, the kind of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers has been throughout his career, especially his ability to see what a defense is about to do and immediately check off at the line of scrimmage, I think a, Aaron Rodgers also has that advantage as well. If they could get the short passing game going against this Rams defense. And it'll help that they have the best short passing game receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams, who is now round two against Jalen Ramsey. And last year, that matchup was incredibly entertaining before the game started. Adams is coming up to Ramsey, basically saying, don't run from it. Packer fans will tell you that he owned that matchup. Ramsey won his fair share, but I think Adams did get the upper hand in that matchup, mm-hmm. but I won't use the word owned because I just, I think that's a little disrespectful. Well, well Fresno, this- like the, the Fresno, Fresno state fans also sided with Devonte Adams as well. So <laughs> I completely understandable. That's their guy. Uh, and Adams is the best receiver to ever come out of Fresno state. So I certainly understand that. Yeah, I am curious how you think as we get to topic three here, which is Adams against Ramsey is Ramsey going to shadow Adams as the Rams try and take him away and force guys like Marcos Valdez, Scantling, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, if he's able to go, players like that to try and beat him. You know, it's interesting. So Ramsey is playing what the Rams called the star position, and it's basically just a multitude of of of, of different things. It's not just lining up in an island and trying to take away your best receiver. Like there's times in which Morse moves him as a safety, or he might move him closer to the line, basically look like he's either coming on a blitz or dropping back, but I have a feeling, Jacob, and I know I can't speak for the Rams. I have a feeling that throughout most of this game, Ramsey is going to want Adams anyway. And I think if you're Ramsey, you're probably thinking about last year's playoff meeting. I mean, that touchdown that he gave up. I mean, yeah, that was more, that, that looked like a mental error between his safety and Ramsey. Well, Ramsey was still the nearest cover corner. And then to hear the whole, like, well, Devontae got the better end. Devontae Adams and Green Bay ended your season. I'm sure as competitive as Ramsey is, he doesn't want to hear that. So he's probably going to want 
a high number of snaps going against Devontae Adams. And that's what we, the fans, want too, right? We want mm-hmm. to see that. We yeah, we want that heavyweight. Yeah, we want that like whole UFC card type deal on the football field. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the issues with this being such a team game is one, Green Bay is going to try and scheme things up to get Adams away from Ramsey because that just right. makes sense. Get your best. The offense's goal is always to get your best on their worst, and the defense's goal is usually to get your best on their best because the offense mm-hmm. knows where that's going and the defense doesn't. So. How do you see this matchup playing out? Do you think Adams has a big day? Do you think Ramsey's able to slow him down? You know, I think honestly, like, so I feel like if if Adams, if Adams is able to not only go in motion, but able to disguise like his motions, all of that touchdown that you saw last year in the playoff game, I think he has the advantage. Here's another advantage that Green Bay can have going against the Rams. If Adams is able to draw coverages against Taylor Rapp, their safety. Rap's a good downhill hitter. He's a good he's good in space when it comes to tackling, but he's been he's been really off on his coverages. So I'm thinking like if you're Lafleur, you're probably going to want to try to get Adams on Taylor Rap, or also you also want to be in a situation where Adams draws David Long. David Long drew AJ Green. Well, Green with the superior height advantage, he was able to own David Long. So. I mean, I'm sure LaFleur's going to try, as you mentioned, Jacob, he's going to try to get Devontae away from Ramsey as much as possible. And on the Rams side, they're going to try to get Ramsey locked in on him most of the time. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm more like this is without the Fresno State bias. I feel like right now Devontae still has that edge over Jalen Ramsey. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. You mentioned the safeties and everything like that. That is where I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling could have a mm-hmm. big impact on this game as well as their deep speed guy. How have the Rams done this year as far as on the deep ball? Because this Packers offense, the way it finds its final form last year, something they were as good at as anybody is one. Obviously, they had Adams. But Valdez Scantling led the league in yards per reception and was one of the best deep threats in the league. So what are your thoughts on the Packers being able to maybe hit them up deep? Yeah, you know what? I would imagine, like, I would imagine Green Bay is going to take nuggets from the Arizona Cardinals game, which I believe was week four. Arizona, like, they, they didn't have a blueprint that was similar to what Tennessee and San Francisco did these last two weeks. They went with the Kings the Kingsbury game plan, and that's, you know, rely on your passing game, hit, hit guys deep. But also, I think most important of all, they went after the guys not named Jalen Ramsey. They tried to test those guys, and advantage was theirs on their end. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, he had his, his plays, his snaps against Ramsey. Well, there are instances where he drew Darius Williams, who has – who has a height disadvantage over DeAndre Hopkins. Then I mentioned David Long. I mean, Long's a very schizophrenic player for the Rams. And then Rap, I mean, Rap again, he has his coverage lapses. So, you know, it's crazy. It's like, honestly, Jacob, I feel like the guys not named Jalen Ramsey, I feel like they're at a disadvantage going against not just Devontae, but, you know, Valdez, Scantling, I mean, Lazard, who's a healthier I feel like right now it's like, honestly, the advantage goes to Green Bay in terms of the aerial game. And the bigger, the biggest play of the game last year was Alan Lazard. They got a deep ball touchdown mm-hmm. to Lazard late in the game to basically ice that one. So before we're going to get to topic four about Aaron Rodgers a little more, but before that, a word from our sponsors. Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit artechventures.com for more info. 
want to thank our, our tech ventures for sponsoring a game on Wisconsin this season. Appreciate you guys helping us do as many things as we have visit our for more Lorenzo on Sunday last year, Aaron Rodgers was an MVP and probably should have been the unanimous MVP, but he wasn't for reasons, whatever those were mm-hmm. now hasn't been off to an MVP level start of this season, but was dynamite in the second half on Sunday against Minnesota looked much more like the 2020 version of Aaron Rodgers as opposed to 2018, 2019. And early in the game, I said he looked like 2015 and 2018 Aaron Rodgers, mm. which coincidentally, those are the two worst seasons of his career. Hit the big one to Marcos Valdez-Scantling to tie the game on Sunday. Likely would have won the game if Darnell Savage is able to hold on to an interception. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he wasn't. Green Bay loses on a field goal late in the game. So I ask a simple question on the outside. Is MVP number 12 back? I think honestly, like I've seen, I've seen it myself. I mean, this is this is where Aaron Rodgers often, and I mean, maybe you know this better than I do, but I feel like in the years I've watched Aaron Rodgers, this is where he really hits his stride. This is where you see the best out of number twelve. And I know it was a, a difficult L against Minnesota, and I caught a little bit of glimpses of that game because they switched the regional coverage. But you know, I literally thought. I was watching shades of that Aaron Rodgers from last year or also the one that took you guys to the Super Bowl back in 2011, I believe. But, you know, this is another this game right here is another great opportunity. You got Von Miller in his second game as he's trying to get his legs going with the Rams defense, Aaron Donald, um, Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, I'm sure as competitive of a guy Aaron Rodgers is, he's salivating at the opportunity to go against three elite players at their position. That I think so as well. You know, Rodgers, there's a lot of things you can say about him. His competitive nature is not something I think that can be questioned. Now I'm just looking to see, can he do something like this in back-to-back games? Cause he hasn't had a, a stretch like that this year. And with the time or lack thereof, you know, that's going to be a big thing, obviously, how do they block in front of him, but they were able to block up well enough after Jenkins left the game on Sunday. Now the Rams front is different than that of Minnesota's Minnesota's best pass rusher right now is Everson Griffin and Everson Griffin might be as old as you and I put together in football years. So that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, we're, am... we're old guys. <laughs> okay. You didn't need to point that out, but thank oh, you. Sorry, for that. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> I, I think I'm older. I think I'm older though. I think you I'm are. Older. I just, I just turned 30. So you're the old timer here. Yeah. I'm but the AARP representative. <laughs> there we go. So we got the AARP representative, Lorenzo Reyna. I'm Jacob Westendorf here with game on Wisconsin <laughs> on the pick six podcast. I do think, that you're going to see a really good version of Aaron Rodgers. And something about this so Packers too. team is under Matt LaFleur, they've never lost back-to-back games ever. Mm-hmm. That's a big reason why LaFleur's record is as good as it is in his first two and change seasons as a head coach. It's a big game before the bye. It's it's an opportunity to really, if they win this game, this is the toughest game left on their schedule. If they win this game, they have head-to-head tiebreakers over the Rams and the Cardinals going into December which is huge because you want that number one seed. I know the Packers lost the NFC championship game last year at home, but you want those games in your building as opposed to having to travel to Arizona, LA, Tampa, Dallas, wherever. And I started thinking about that too, Jacob. It's like, you know, Green Bay, I know this Green Bay, the, the bar is set like not right here, but it's like really, really high. And it's like, no matter the year they want, they want teams coming to Lambeau. And the fact that this time around, if you do play an NFC or just a playoff game in general at Lambeau, you're not going to have a half full stadium because of COVID concerns. You're going to have a full house. You're going to have potentially like that, that frozen tundra weather that you guys are used to as well. I don't think green Bay wants to go to a SoFi stadium 
I mean, that venue does get loud, especially when the Rams are on their game. I don't think they want to go to the Red Sea, a.k.a. Glendale. I mean, that's another venue that could also get loud, especially when Nothing the Cardinals Nothing good are. happens when the Packers go there for a playoff game either. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure they want to avoid Arizona. They want to avoid, uh, you know, Levi Stadium. Although, Tampa like, Tamp- yeah, Tampa Bay as well, especially with the, the climate down there. It's like, you know, either way you look at it, Green Bay, they want teams coming to Lambeau. And, I mean, it's the perfect storm. I mean, it's the perfect storm for Green Bay regardless. So that's as big of a game as this is. You've got a lot going on, a lot on the line. I said before earlier this week, I don't think you can understate how big of a game this is for Green Bay. If you win, you're nine and three, you bounce back against a good Rams team. You own those tiebreakers, like I mentioned earlier. You lose. I am going to uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. No. Well, I, I was going to say this. So on the flip side, if you're the Rams, like I know, like I know there might be Ram fans who might like hate me for saying this, but I'm going to be realistic about this. This is a must-win game for the Rams, and here's why. You lose this game, you're going to fall further and further behind the Cardinals. Now you've got the 49ers breathing down your neck. You lose this game, you're potentially looking at no better than the sixth seed in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's a big deal because then you're playing you know, a tougher team in the first round, a tougher road to get to the Super Bowl, which the Rams, like we mentioned, they don't have any draft picks. So they nope. are – all in is the sexy phrase everyone likes to use. They are all in. And you mentioned the Cardinals. The Cardinals this week are actually on their bye, so they're not going to fall any further back from the Cardinals if they were to lose this game. But they're already behind Arizona, and they've already yeah. lost to Arizona. So I believe they're two games behind the Rams or the Cardinals. Yeah, I think, in the loss I think column you're if right. They lose. Yeah, yeah. Two behind they're... the Rams in the loss column if they lose. The Cardinals have done that twice now. Two behind the Cardinals in the loss column if they lose. Plus the Cardinals on that head-to-head tiebreaker because they've already beaten the Rams this year. Mm-hmm. that's not a small thing. And I think, but and on the flip side, I think it's a must win game for green Bay as well, because one, mm-hmm. you don't want to fall further behind the Cardinals for that number one seed. Mm-hmm. Number two, if they lose this game, they're going to go into the bye week having lost three out of four unclear, whether Bakhtiari is going to come back or when unclear when Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander are going to come back. Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to get some of that self doubt, to maybe creep in before. I mean, granted, if you look at the rest of Green Bay schedule, it's relatively soft. Uh, they should win against Chicago. At Baltimore will be tough. Home against Cleveland doesn't look as hard as it used to. Home against Minnesota, I think that'll be a different game. And mm-hmm. then at Detroit to finish the season. But every single game counts when you're talking about the number one seed. And we talked about this a bunch last year when talking about the Packers and getting an NFC Championship game at Lambeau. Rodgers is very famously on NFL films telling Jordy Nelson while they're getting blown out in Atlanta, how they need to get one of these at home. They did. They lost. You still want those games in your exactly. home ballpark. That's what Keep you want. So I think, I think this is a huge game for green Bay. I think they need to win this game. So I think as far as desperation levels, both teams should be on the same as far as the desperation level, because green Bay needs to win this game as well. Now the this Rams is, have yeah. Go ahead. This is a, this is an urgency. This is definitely like the urgency time of year for these teams, especially the ones not only making the playoff push but the division push. And I, as you mentioned, I know this is a theme on the show. The number one seed. I mean, I'm actually Jake. I'm at a point where I'm I'm in the process of rolling out the Rams, not getting the number one. But if you're able to get maybe number two and maybe sneak away with the division, you're in great shape. They still got to go to Arizona later this year. They also got mm-hmm. Baltimore. So in comparison, 
Green Bay definitely has the softer schedule compared to the Rams. Right. And Green Bay, like somebody said the other day, Green Bay may not lose another game the rest of the year. So the Rams need to hang a yep. loss on them. The Cardinals are likely rooting for the Rams for the same reason because they control their own in terms of yeah. playing against them. But the other thing about the Rams, the Cardinals, and these other teams, if you're not the one seed, you're staring down a second round game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. the defending Super Bowl champions. You want to avoid that game until the, in my estimation, at least until the NFC championship game, not to make the bucks out to be some unbeatable juggernaut because we've seen the Rams smoke them earlier this year, but Mm -hmm. you don't want to play Tom Brady in a playoff game before you absolutely have to. That's what you're hoping for. And you want to get that game at home if you can. So that's our thought there. Let's go to topic number five, big moves for the Rams, Von Mm -hmm. Miller, Jalen Ramsey, but the big one started in the offseason when they traded for Matthew Stafford. And as soon as that trade happened, anyone who's anyone was on the internet telling you how everything's going to be different. Stafford's going to be the MVP of the league. He's going to lead them to the Super Bowl. This is a guy who wins and loss is not a quarterback stat. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But a guy who's never won a playoff game, and he's not got, I think he's won seven games total in his career against teams with winning records. Now, some of that is because he played for the Lions. But I completely disagree with the notion that everything, quote-unquote, wrong with Matthew Stafford's career is because he was in Detroit. So you'll often see me make the joke whenever he makes a mistake. Shame on the Detroit Lions for making Matthew Stafford (laughs) throw that interception. And I've watched a lot of the Rams this year. The same Stafford that was in Detroit, who just has some mind-numbing moments, both good and bad, Sometimes at the worst opportune times, the pick six he threw against the Titans yeah. is in the running for the worst play of the season. Absolutely unacceptable for a player who's supposed to be an MVP caliber player. What is your take on Stafford? Is this the guy they traded Jared Goff? Jared Goff mm-hmm. got them to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying Jared Goff is a great quarterback by any stretch. Is he the guy that when the chips are down, you feel like, okay, this guy can go into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers or go into Tampa Bay. I don't know what they call Tampa Bay stadium anymore. It was Raymond. Yeah, James. Uh, it cool. was Raymond James. Now it's like, uh, it, it's like some bank name. That's all, that's so all I can he go into Raymond yes. James and, and stare down Tom Brady? Can he beat Dak Prescott in a game like that? Do you uh, think right, so, Stafford's that guy? All right. I'm going to, I'll say this. This is definitely this Sunday game. It's, it's definitely going to be a career defining game for Stafford because these last two weeks, I mean, I hate to say it. We're seeing the Detroit Lions version of Matthew Stafford. You mentioned that pick. Here's the problem. Like, when you go back to that interception that he had against the Titans that ended up going back for six, that's an example of not only the kind of, like, uh, gunslinger, like, you know, when the chips are down, like, take the gamble type throws that he's made. Well, the Rams' offense is literally catered for him to do that as well. So, you know, Sean McVay and that coaching staff also has a lot of fault for convincing him that it was okay for him to make that kind of throw instead of taking the sack. But this here's another reason why, Jake, this is a career-defining game for Stafford. I can't think of a time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you can fact-check me, I don't think Matthew Stafford has ever won a game at Lambeau during the time he was a Lion. This is oh, a yeah, great. He op- has. He has. Oh, he has. Okay. There was a 31. His last game at Lambeau is a lot. No, that's not true. But 2018, I know they won okay, at Lambeau. Yeah. The Packers had Deshaun Kaiser play the majority of it. But he has won at Lambeau before, but not often. Yeah. It, but see, here's the thing it's like this he has better talent compared to what he had at in Detroit. Because in Detroit, 
he had obviously he had Megatron. Then for a brief moment, he had Golden Tate who was in his prime. Well, now he has Cooper Cup who's nearing who's on pace for two thousand yards. You added Odell Beckham Jr. who has an extra two weeks in learning and getting acquainted with the Rams' offense. You have Tyler Higby who's a very underrated tight end. Then you have Sony Michelle in your backfield. It's like the the Rams literally designed their team for Matthew Stafford. And now you're in this two-game slump. Now you're staring at potentially not winning your division and potentially going on the road for the playoffs. Well, this is the game that I truly, truly believe Matthew Stafford needs. He gets his victory like the naysayers. They're going to be silenced. So great opportunity for him. But right now he's not at that. He's looking like the Detroit Lions version. Yeah, it it certainly looks that way. And they're staring at a three-game losing streak if they were to lose this game as well. Now I think that's going to be closer than the last two games that they've played, but I am interested to see how that. You mentioned Odell Beckham. You mentioned the Packers were in the running for that. Yeah. I want to know part of that guy. I think that mm. everybody and their mother talks about how Green Bay doesn't have any weapons and they can't do this and they can't do yeah. that. I just, to me with Beckham, the biggest point that I've always made is now two teams in four years have decided they're better off without him. The Giants gave him this huge extension and then traded him. And then the Browns, the Browns are a team that think they're a contender and they cut him. Mm-hmm. Teams that are contenders do not subtract players. Yep. That's not how that works. I want to know part of this guy. What are you hearing? What are you seeing on everything? And I know it's been a limited sample as far as what he's brought this Rams team so far. What can he bring this Rams team? You know what? Like I know it was his first game and I know it was only two days, but I found myself feeling underwhelmed by how he performed against the 49ers. And, I mean, I know that it was one of those, like, kind of, like, get get on board late type deals. But I felt like that, well, he's he's going against Josh Norman. He's owned Josh Norman in the past. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, like, you know, he's going to go off. He's going to be more motivated because he's on not only – he's not only away from Cleveland, but he's on a team that has all the Super Bowl attention. So, you know, you, you brought that up, Jake, about, you know, contenders, they don't subtract players, especially of that caliber, somebody who's a three-time pro bowler. This, honestly, Jacob, Odell Beckham, I honestly feel like he's on he's on the brink of his third strike. Here's the reason why I say that. The Giants, as you mentioned, they, give, they throw him all this money. They make him the toast of New York, and he ends up literally, like, he ends up going number one on the franchise. And Not an to... unstable franchise, by the way. I want to point that out about the Giants. Yeah. I know everybody's pointing out this is this was the Tom Coughlin yes. Giants that were doing that with him. With Eli Manning, who say what you will about Manning, yep. but as far as leadership structure, everything like that, everything was top-notch with the Giants. And the Browns have not been the Browns since Andrew Barry took over, which Dorsey's the guy who traded for Beckham, but Barry was there mm-hmm. uh, shortly thereafter. So yeah. not exactly the New York Jets that's deciding, nope, never mind, can't do it. Yeah, it is, again, going back to what I was saying, too, like, this is Odell Beckham's final chance, I honestly think. You're on, you're literally, your your newest Super Bowl contender. Granted, like, Cleveland, Cleveland was trying to build itself up as this playoff Super Bowl contender, but it, it flamed out bad. Now you're in a team that's surrounded by immense talent. If Odell Beckham becomes a locker room head case, as he's been in with New York and Cleveland, I have a feeling that this is strike number three. Nobody else is going to want him after that. It'll feel very Terrell Owens playing out his career in irrelevancy in Buffalo, which was basically like the NFL's equivalent of Siberia when when Terrell <laughs> went there and played 
the damn self. Hey, that was before the jumping on the tables. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that plays out. I do think obviously the Rams are going to be a playoff team, but I am, I am interested to see how the rest of their season plays out because like you mentioned, the 49er, if the Packers win and the 49ers win on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, who that's a good matchup for the 49ers. Yeah. You're talking about the Rams only being one game ahead of San Francisco for a playoff spot like that. And you talked about them staring down a six or a seven seed, which is a wild card date with Tampa Bay or yeah. the Dallas Cowboys or a team of that, and maybe green Bay again, a team of that nature. So I am interested to see how the rest of the season plays out in Los Angeles. But again, signing Beckham when they said Beckham signed there, you know, they talked about how he wanted to be in LA. He wants to live in LA. He wants to do it. I know they sold the stuff about McVeigh and talking to him about how they can involve him in the offense and all that stuff. But again, mm-hmm. it sounded like the all glitter, all Twitter, no hitters yep. type of acquisition. And I just don't know how that pans out. I think if the Rams do not get to the Super Bowl this offseason, you're going to hear a lot more of that. They're soft. They need to build back bigger, build back faster. Uh, in the trenches, because that is, like you mentioned, where some of their weaknesses lie. Let's get to the final segment. I'm Jacob Westendorf, joined by Lorenzo Reyna of Heavy.com and 24-7 Sports. Packers and Rams, it's a Joe Buck, Troy Aikman edition on Fox at 325. That will be the kickoff at Lambeau Field. Lorenzo, who wins and why? I'm going to... I'm going to go out of limb and say this, and I'm not saying this because like I'm on your show. I'm saying this from a realist perspective. I think Green Bay is going to hand the Rams their third straight loss, and here's the reason why. They like Devontae Adams. He's he had his way with Jalen Ramsey, and Ramsey doesn't have much help in the secondary. You're going to see matchups with either Lazard or Marquez Valdez Scantling drawing Taylor Rapp. The advantage goes to those guys. Aaron Rodgers, he's no sucker when it comes to defensive alignments. And even though if you put Von Miller, AD, I mean, or who knows, maybe the ghost of Jack Youngblood, I mean, <laughs> he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna be phased by that. I just I just feel like the way the Rams are trending right now, I I'm I'm starting to really feel like that they're like they're being exposed from a toughness standpoint. And now they're going into a cold weather venue. They're going to a place that's that's known for its toughness and grit. I just feel like the the chips, but the, the the stars are lining up for your team for the Green Bay, and the Rams are they need to figure figure this thing out. Yeah, forget the intangible stuff. Forget the the storybook things that we all talk about. Forget the narratives, all that stuff. Here's the reality: is if Rashad Gary plays, I think Green Bay has an advantage on the defensive trenches against the Rams offensive line. Mm -hmm. And this is a game to me that feels like if green Bay can block them just because the Rams do have the advantage up front, Mm -hmm. but if the Packers can keep them from absolutely ruining the game, which they have, they can, and they can game plan accordingly. Then green Bay, I think has the opportunity to make some plays down the field. And at the end of the day, a game where these two teams are as closely matched as people think they are, it usually comes down to which quarterback is going to be more prone to making a mistake. And throughout their careers, that has been Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. And you talk about toughness and grit and some of that other stuff. Green Bay's defense, I know they didn't have a good week last week, but if they can get Gary back and add him next to Kenny Clark and Preston Smith having potentially another good game and Dean Lowry another week healthier from that hamstring injury, I think their front can cause Stafford some issues and they'll be able to cover some stuff up against Cooper Cup. And, And that's the other thing is, you mentioned all that stuff about Beckham and his and his mouth and his locker room and all that stuff. 
is he even a good player? Any is he the same player anymore? I mean, that's a legit. We're, we're gonna we're we're gonna find out on Sunday. We're gonna find out why right away. Why exactly the Rams got Odell Beckham and what kind of factor he could be. I do want to add this too, and I didn't get a chance to mention, but I'm glad you mentioned the front for Green Bay. They're gonna take Nuggets from the Titans and the 49ers game. If you watch those two games closely, those two teams manhandled the Rams up front with their defensive line alone. Nick Bosa was able to penetrate, even even though he was drawing some holds. You know, um, there was that defensive lineman um, the, from the Tennessee Titans who had Jeffrey like two Simmons. and a half sacks. Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons. And then there's the other one, the defensive end, who was looping around as well. I think the X factor, and this is something that we don't often say, like because like we're so focused on wide receiver corner matchup, a big X factor for the Rams is going to be David Edwards, their guard. He is their their weakest pass protector, and I think if you put Gary or if you send like blitzes up his way and he gets rattled, the advantage is, is going to immediately swing towards Green Bay's way. And something else that we haven't mentioned until now, as far as a coordination of the defense standpoint, the Rams have downgraded at defensive coordinator. Brandon Staley obviously parlayed last season into a head coaching job with the Los Angeles Chargers. Raheem Morris has done a good job with this group, but it's not the number one unit in the league, which was to be expected. But even with Morris at his best and Staley at his best, Staley is very, very good, and Morris is probably just good. Joe Barry is also looking at a bit of a revenge game because they hired Raheem Morris Mm. instead of him. And Joe Barry now is coordinating a unit that is, they were top three in the league in points scored coming Mm -hmm. into Sunday's game against Minnesota that obviously has dropped a little bit after Sunday's performance, but I'm interested to see that storyline kind of play out as well, but I'm with you. I think green Bay has the advantages in enough of the right spots. And I think you're looking at another Mm -hmm. big game from Aaron Rodgers hitting guys like Lazard and Valdez Scantling, or if Lazard can't play Randall Cobb, Equinemius St. Brown players of that nature. And at the end of the game, I just think you mentioned AJ Dillon tests your will as a tackler, how willing are you to tackle a 260 pound bowling ball in 30 degree weather, which the Rams, they don't have a ton of guys that have played in that weather before. I don't like to use the weather narrative much in green Bay, but they don't have a ton of guys that play in it. What sunny, sunny beaches. Yep. Sunny beaches. Like, I mean, your cold weather's uh, where I live, but that's only like 60, 70 degrees out here. So, Right, and it's going to be below 30 when by the time the end of the game hits on Sunday. So all glitz, all glitter, all Twitter, no hitters. We're going to find out very quickly if that is the case because Dylan is going to test that well. I like Green Bay. I like them 30 to 27. That's going to do it for this edition of the Pick 6 Podcast. You can follow me. I'm your host, Jacob Westdorf, on Twitter at Jacob Westdorf. Write an article every week for Packer Report on Mondays and Fridays for Game on Wisconsin on Mondays. And I host the Marquez Valdez-Scantling Show every Tuesday taking a little time off with Marquez looking at the bye week coming up here, but that should be a lot of fun as we get to the stretch of the season here. and follow all of us, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, go to our YouTube page, hit subscribe, hit that little bell in the top right corner. And you will see every single thing that we do. And every single time we go live, check out our guys on Mondays, the freezer podcast, Wednesdays, Lombardi's bar and open book Thursdays, cut the BS with Brandon Snide and all of our podcasts, quick slants on Brandon off topic, the final dump podcast and four downs. And we'll do some spaces and everything like that. You just never know where you're going to find us. So find all of your stuff and get our merchandise. This is not a video show, so you cannot see me, but I am wearing a brand new game on Wisconsin hat. And we've got some new outerwear and stuff that we threw in there. So it's getting cold. 
get some of that winter gear, do some Christmas shopping for your family. I've got Lorenzo with me. Lorenzo, tell me where we can find you if we want to go behind enemy lines. LJ underscore Reyna. Once again, LJ underscore Reyna on Twitter. You can also email me, Lorenzo.Reyna at heavy.com if you want to get in touch with some of the 49ers stuff that I've been doing lately. Um, you know, you can also find me on 24-7 Sports, Barkboard.com, which is the site that covers Fresno State. Bear Territory, which is the site that covers the Cal Golden Bears. Aaron Rodgers is alma mater. Mm-hmm. We also started doing Cardinal 24-7, which is the Stanford website. In fact, uh, there's a basketball game that I'm getting ready to dive into uh, once I wrap up here. But, yeah, you know, college, NFL, recruiting, you know, I've, I've been trying to get immersed with all of that. My last question, we'll do a little bonus here since you're a college football guy. Who are the four college football playoff teams? By this time gonna, in like two weeks. Well, we already know it's going to be a two SEC teams, so might as well shoot in Georgia, Alabama. I think Cincinnati. I honestly think this is the year Cincinnati finally breaks into the the college football four. I don't I don't see them losing another um, AAC. I mean, I'm so used to saying the Big East, but they're American Athletic Conference AAC. And then the uh, I think the fourth is going to be Ohio State. I think they definitely control their own destiny. So you got two Ohio representatives, then you got the two SEC representatives. I think that's your C if your college football four. So here's my next question for you: Is Alabama in if they lose to Georgia? If they lose to Georgia, yeah. as in their second loss, no. Yeah. I mean, even if you have the the bias towards Alabama, I mean, I know obviously college football they're they're biased towards the the Crimson Tide or. Maybe they're secretly afraid of Nick Saban and that menacing scowl that he has. But, I mean, Alabama has to win out in order to get in. And if that's the case, I think your fourth team, it quite possibly – It looks like Notre Dame. is going to be tricky. Yeah, Notre Dame. I'm thinking Notre Dame. I, I mean, Oregon's pretty much out of it after that the, – the way they were smacked against Utah. Um you know, I don't. I doubt that they'll add, they'll uh, include two Big Ten teams. Like the other Big Ten team has to be a one-loss team. Yeah, and the only way that's going to happen is if Michigan beats Ohio State on Saturday. And anybody who mm-hmm. follows me knows I am loyal to the maize and blue, and I will tell you that's not going to happen. So my four, I'm go blue I'm like, also. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm go blue, and they're going to get their ass kicked on Saturday. And I just know what I can feel, and I'm trying to temper my expectations. Yeah. But I would like to clarify before. Saturday's game starts that it does take 10 yards to gain a first down and not nine and three quarters. And JT is short. <laughs> shout out to Dan Kotnick and some of the other resident suck eyes on this, on this group. So thank you guys for listening to this. I also have, I think Alabama beats Georgia and they let them in. So Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Ohio state with Georgia and Ohio state facing off for the I national so. championship. And I will hold on. I will not be happy during the, Georgia, Ohio, just because Ohio State will have a chance to win another national title. And I sit here hoping Michigan can at least play in a college fo- – beat Ohio State, let alone play in a goddamn college football playoff. We'll so hope so. <laughs> let's hope. There's a day that's coming. Um, so we'll get to that at the end. But thank you guys for listening this week. We appreciate it. Follow us again next week. We'll be back. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Week. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to all of you and yours. I'm thankful for every single listener I have. Next week I will be back with Dusty Evely talking some Packers bye week. So that should be fun to kind of go with on. Thanks, for guys, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could just give me the touchdown.